Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. everybody and welcome back to the Triple Jump podcast. It's a video game podcast, it's not an athletics podcast. I feel like we need to make that distinction every time. Yeah. I'm Ben. I'm Peter. I'm back. You're back. And better than ever. Welcome back. I'm back. Oh my god, we're back again. <laughs> How was the other guy? Uh, he was alright, yeah. Pretty, pretty ra- radi- radical. Pretty radical. Huh? Yeah, oh, all the windows have been blown out because he just kept dabbing, oh, and all the bass and oh, but it sounds like a real piece of work. He was a piece of work, but I don't know. Like you're, you're certainly less disruptive than he was. I try to be, but comparatively, you, you not look like a, like a bit of a square. Not, to be honest, not as cool. Yeah, not as cool as the other guy. Well, yeah. he's gone now, so I'm all you got. Great. I'm all you've got. Welcome back, Ben. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. You no longer have to double take every time you say my name because you're worried about whether or not you've said the correct name. You're absolutely right about that, Dick. Uh, Ben, sorry. Dick, Dick, Ben. Uh, Welcome back, everybody listening right now. We cannot do this amazing podcast without the help from our wonderful sponsors. Uh, This week, Peter, Mm. I believe you've got the ad read in front of you for this week's sponsor. Are you hungry? No. Oh, well... Try and make some room because we're sponsored today, yeah. this week by mm, Crunchy Chicks. Crunchy mm, Chicks, delicious Crunchy Chicks. Remember from Fable, the game that you've never played? Yeah, sure do. Oh, tasty Crunchy Chicks. Do mm. you want to eat an actual live baby chicken that will reduce your karma by a significant amount? Oh boy, do I! Oh well, you better have yourself a Crunchy Chick or eleven or mm. eleven. De- mm, yum yum. Mm. You know when you go to the the. The 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 the, 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 the non-franchised the. independent fast food restaurant. Yeah, NFC. When yeah, NFC, which gives you probably food poisoning. Definitely food poisoning. You know how crunchy the chicken In is. In fact, there? that's a guarantee. And it th- is. There's you there's can actually sue if you don't get food poisoning. It's not crunchy. It's. It's not. It's not very crunchy. It's not very crunchy. Is that the point? Sorry. What you, what's the point? You yeah, is say, it? Say yeah, it's, it's really crunchy. It's pretty crunchy. There's all bits of cartilage and and bones and claws in there. Oh, I see. Okay. It's bad chicken. Right, because it's really low quality chicken. But oh, if you want crunchier mm-hmm. for some reason, yeah, have yourself a crunchy chick. Mm. When I look at a chicken, I think, I bet that son of a gun is crunchy. And then I'm, oh no. And then I'm really disappointed when I take a big old mouthful of that live clucker. And it's all smooth. And it's all smooth. (laughs) I hate smooth food. Yeah. Uh, What a weird descriptive term. But thank you to Crunchy Chicks. Crunchy Chicks. Crunchy Chicks Mm. for sponsoring this podcast. That's a lie. We were lying. We can't do this podcast without our Patreon people. I nearly said Patreons. Patreons. That's not what they're called. It's really difficult to say patrons and Patreon. But uh, our patrons over at patreon.com forward slash team triple jump are the only people who can supply. Oh my God. Supply Chris Jones to us. Supply Chris Jones to the podcast. And um, so we're going to read some of them now. We are. First question, Peter. Mm. Take it away. This one is from Molly McDade. (gasps) Molly McDade? We know that one. We know that one. She writes for us. What are some online games you remember playing back in the day? In brackets, it says, like Newgrounds and others, especially in the school library. That's where I played most of my online games. I was going to say, I think... Online games, as in browser-based flash games, yeah. exclusively reserved for a period in your life where you are, as far as I've observed, mm. three periods in your life. Yeah. Uh, when you're at school. Yeah. 
and you just want to be distracted and mess around. Mm -hmm. When you're doing revision, yeah. because you're at school, and you've had your console taken away from you so you can focus on revising. Right. And when you're a 55-year-old man and you don't, you don't have any consoles, yeah. like my dad uh, was at the time, and sometimes you get caught late at night just playing snooker on the, yeah. <laughs> against random people on the internet on Full a Flash website. Or something. Yeah. yeah. Those are the three. There's no other times in life where you need that. No. Those are the only times. Uh, I don't know about you, but I played a lot of online uh, like browser games when I was sort of, I don't know, between maybe 11 and 14, 15 mm -hmm. um, at school. Uh, one of the ones that I remember quite vividly was Yeti Sports. Remember those? I don't remember oh, Yeti do Sports, no. It was a series of, I think they actually originally were all brought out separately mm -hmm. um, and they kept making sequels to it. And then they were all bundled in together where it was sort of polar-based sports. So there was like... Um, I want to say there was downhill skiing and stuff. I don't think there was actually a skiing one. but The, he the triple flump, of course. In fact, they weren't even polar because there was one where he was surfing and he had to sort of jump up and down. Well, maybe and... that's a global warming one. Yeah, possibly. Um, but the one that I remember quite vividly was um, a, a penguin would sort of jump down off a cliff and you had to perfectly time your click to swing a bat and hit oh. the penguin, right? Right, yeah. So that was the original version in Yeti Sports. Crunchy Chicks, I Crunchy think Chicks. is what it was called. Now, there was actually one that... Uh, it was uploaded to the website that I used to use, which wasn't, like, Newgrounds. It was some place where they just reposted Flash games. Right. And the name that had been posted under was just some sort of file name style thing <laughs> that was called, like, Yeti Game Gore X. Right. Great, yeah. And it was a sort of modded, reskinned version of the Batter Penguin game where the bat had been turned into this enormous Final Fantasy-style spiked club oh my that had God. just been like, crudely drawn with blood spikes on it. And when you hit the penguin, blood would start spurting out of its now headless neck stump. That sounds gratuitously amazing. Oh, it was. And it would fly through the air and occasionally, if you were lucky it would land on a mine and send it further and further. And you had to like hope that you, it was just random, but you would just hope that like, oh, I've got to hit those mines on the way. That sounds like a reskinned version of a game that I was going to talk about. Okay. Or perhaps this was a reskinned version of that. Well, this was like very much a reskinned version of just the Penguin, penguin Batman. Okay. But I remember specifically playing that in the library uh, and the other guy, the, the, my friend next to me was also playing it. Mm -hmm. And the librarian came up behind us and was like, what's what's that? Are you playing games? And then she, I've, I've got really vivid memory of her going, oh, oh, no, is that blood? Uh, <laughs> and we went, yes, it's oh, blood. Oh, no. Went, no, I don't think that's appropriate. Do you remember her name? Uh, I think it was Mrs. Hewitt. Uh, we had a Mrs. Travis. Oh, did you? Yeah. And Mrs. she would she would kick us out for like even just having a tab open with music, with headphones plugged in, she'd come up and she'd look all apologetic and go, no, you've got to go. Really? I, re I'm clearly working. You're going to kick me out because I've got a music... No, it's against the rules. Oh, my you've God. You've got to go. Oh, Mrs. Hewitt was the sort of second in command, the actual head of the library. You was... had two librarians? Yeah. Oh, man. She was called Mrs. Bird, and her catchphrase <laughs> okay. was... Oh, great. And she was sort of Every librarian needs one. Yeah. Every librarian needs one. With, with a slightly hoarse, exasperated voice. Yeah. Because she does it all day, every day. She would just always say that. Occasionally, it would be, um, excuse me. And then when she realized what you were doing, it would be, out you go. <laughs> Out you go. Librarians must hate computers. Oh, it must, must have been so yeah. nice when it was just books. It was just paper. And now they've got to worry about books uh, and porn. Yeah. All of it. Those are the only two things, of course. But they've got to worry about that whole new aspect now, which they didn't have previously. Tell me about your mind game. Mine? So... My my mind game, I couldn't really play many Flash games because our school internet, like many, w was locked down like Fort Knox. You oh, couldn't yeah. really access many. So every week it was trying to find a new website that wasn't blocked by whatever stupid filter there was. We went out on Google Images for some reason. Really? Google Images was banned. Now that sounds familiar. I remember YouTube being banned. I remember a brief period where Facebook wasn't banned. Right. And because it wasn't, and it was gaining popularity. That was the time when I signed up. Okay. Because everyone was like, oh, Facebook's not blocked. And I was like, I suppose I'd better sign up for this thing. Get yeah. rid of my Bebo account, I guess. Um, and uh, worst decision I've ever made. No. the I couldn't really um, play that many games as a result. But mm -hmm. when we did find them, we stuck with them. I remember at one point we found a proxy 
server. Right. Like as soon as we discovered like a proxy server that you could use within your browser, yeah. we're like, we can access everything. We can go on YouTube now. We can go on YouTube mm-hmm. uh, because of course not, because that'd be fun. Um, I remember playing Kitty Cannon. Oh, of course. Which was very similar sounding to that penguin the game. The art style was different, but it was very similar. You press the space bar and it's sort of filling up and down in terms of how far you fire the, the cat. Mm. And then it just sort of bounces and like if it hits mines, it goes further but and it stuff. it could hit a cactus, couldn't it? It could just go instantly stuck. Is that blood? No, oh, no, is that? Oh, oh, no, that's not appropriate. I also remember various uh, copter games where oh, you just yeah. have to keep pressing the space bar to sort of stay up. You know, that's very popular on... Uh, mobiles, yeah. mobile gaming now. You mm-hmm. just keep tapping. And finally, like a million different variations of various um, motocross games. I remember Trials, I think, got its start as a Flash game. Oh, did it? The Trials series, where basically it's it, you know it's side-on, 2D. You have to use the left and right uh, buttons to sort of balance, like lean forwards or back, and mm-hmm. then press the space bar to accelerate, and you have to get over various obstacles and courses without falling off and right. stuff. And that was always good fun. Um, if anyone wants to play all of the games that I used to play, the website that I used was still online a- about a year ago. I really? Checked. It's gprime.net forward slash game. Dot net. And it's just something that a guy, I don't know how I found it even, but uh, there was just a whole list of just hyperlinks to games that were like sort of reposted on that website. They probably, a lot of them don't work anymore, I expect, but mm. there it is. Well, impossible that's Quiz we used to play. Oh God, the Impossible Quiz. And uh, Four Second Fury was a lot of fun. If you want to, if that's still working on gprime.net, mm-hmm. I recommend that. That was super fun. Fantastic. Yeah. Right, let's move on, Peter. Let's. It's time for a groundbreaking segment. You've never heard it before. It's called What Are We Playing? Yes, it is. Peeps. Yes. What's your playing? Uh, we record this podcast usually on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a few days ago, uh, I was playing on my live stream mm-hmm. Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. TPM. Yeah, TPM. Tiny Peter Menace. <laughs> and uh, we kind of got to what I consider the peak of the game. Okay. It's very best moments. Um, there's probably still one live stream's worth of content left. I did a poll. People do want me to finish it, so I'm going to. Okay. Um, but uh, I think that game, despite looking janky as hell... Janky, I nearly said another word. I can say it anyway. Janky-wanky, I'm allowed J- to say it. Janky-wanky, I'm allowed absolutely. to say it. Just can't say the naughty words. It's all blocky-wocky and textury. You can't textury. say that. You can't say those well, words. Well, I just, I just said them. filth. What are you going to do about it? Fire you. Um, I don't have that power. If you can look beyond the terrible presentation and frankly the glitchy nature of some of the rpg elements and the escort mechanics <laughs> basically if you can look past, you can look past everything. everything that's wrong with if the you game, close your eyes yeah it's uh it has this brief period in the middle where it kind of becomes an rpg and it's really good um you venture around tatooine over two levels uh, sort of negotiating with traders. You meet Jabba the Hutt, which they just threw in for fun, which yeah, they didn't need to do. Um, there's all kinds of like hidden rooms and things, and uh, also some 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 rather funny moments. Like if you kill Shmi Skywalker at the right moment, um, Anakin's body just sort of it doesn't quite T pose, but he <laughs> in a sort of static my legs aren't moving kind of way. Right. Just slides around super fast and bumps oh, into you. Oh, no. And he keeps saying, I won't help a murderer like you, just over and over. God, I remember all this stuff. Yeah. Because I really liked this game. I had no, I was too young to really know what was going on. Right. And it was just so mysterious to me because there were so many weirdly programmed fail states in that yeah, game. That just does, like, it should be way more linear than it is. Yeah. I remember going to, um, Gung, is it Gunga? Gunga, uh, Otto Gunga, yeah. Is that what's That's is that the name? The city, the city yeah. right? And just being able to murder everyone. Oh yeah, and nobody cared. It didn't. It didn't prevent the There's story. There's children in there. There's children. You can kill all of them. Not just and the men. Sometimes the guards and the sand gets everywhere. Yeah. Sometimes the guards will start fighting you, but then you'll just trigger a cutscene and then leave, and it's like, wow, the Jedi are great, aren't they? Yeah. What nice fellas. Yeah. They they really allowed you. They and they programmed in things, not just oh you. Technically, you're allowed to kill people and, you know, they die. It's like, no, no, we've gone as far as to if you do kill people, Mm. different things happen. So, you know, they they kind of expected you to go around slaying civilians from time to time. You know, there's like um, one guy who you trade with in Mos Esper. If you kill too many people, it sort of activates a kind of soft fail state where it doesn't end the level by saying Padme has been killed. Mm -hmm. um, But you won't be able to talk to anyone anymore because they don't want to deal with you. 
And so you wow. go up to this guy and he just goes, you're no Jedi. And, uh, <laughs> there's like all these lady traders, stun- or ladies. Ladies, I think they're called. Yeah. Ladies standing around. Darth Lader. Manual laderers. You go up to them and she goes, Princess oh, Lader. Oh, no. It's the killer. <laughs> <laughs> And even, actually, I think if you go and speak to Padme before she gets killed by the guards, yeah. she says, oh, thank God you're here. This place is horrible. Apparently, there's a vicious murderer running around <sighs> killing everyone in town. And wow. it's you. It's so weird, isn't it? It's a really what weird a game. Relic of the time, yeah. I think. I, I really enjoyed that game. Yeah. and we, hard, I, I went through the Coruscant level, which I only played very few times as a child, or only finished very few times. And uh, that's... Similar in a way in that you meet a bunch of strange characters that they really didn't need to put in there, but mm. they did. So that was a lot of fun. And I just thought for nice. once I would talk about one of the old games. For once. I've been playing well, rather than Crash Team Racing again. Well, <laughs> Ben, what are you playing? Yeah, so I have now finished the Grand Prix in Crash Team Racing. Mm. I've got all the rewards. I am ranked well within the top well let's see mathematically let me work this out quickly based on where i was last night mm-hmm. i am in the top three percent of players Are you? for the grand prix which sounds impressive when you but then when you realize that actually there's a million people on the leaderboard and some of them have probably only got a few points just by playing sure. the game and not really going for it now that i've hit the i was i was like in position 30 something thousand just the other day right. before I maxed out the Grand Prix. But now that I've carried on playing, mm. I think a lot of people get all the rewards and they're just like, oh, nah, stop. I'm done. So I, I've kept playing and just over the course of like one day of completing the daily challenges, I'm I'm in the top, uh, I'm in like 13,000th position now right. or something online. So you're going to get the... So uh, I'm going to get the special card. Special card. And it's, I think it's a little bit easier than people expect because statistically all you have to finish i think it's just finishing the top fifty thousand players currently right because... i think it's top five percent isn't it yes yeah yeah so with a million is that fifty thousand yeah uh, if there are do you know, is there a million people playing is yeah, there's what... a million people on the leaderboard, on the leaderboard for sure there's right. over a million people not nothing too much higher than not like a million five hundred thousand it's yeah. just a million right. i think roughly uh so if you can get under fifty thousand and if you can max out this and then just play for a little bit longer you're guaranteed basically mm-hmm. to get this special shiny oh, i might cart. go for it i wasn't even thinking about it really before because yeah. i was like well that's only going to be for the elite but <sighs> well apparently what not can i say well, well yeah, i mean if yes. i'm in it apparently not yeah. this this idiot um, what's the gold reward well I've that's forgotten. what i was about to say it's pretty disappointing it's just the motorsport skin for torna oh so torna is the first big reward you get i think is it is it is she the first big reward you get for the bronze finishing the bronze tier and then the gold tier is getting the motorsport version which is just a skin that gives you a a bonus percentage but it's the same bonus percentage that you would have got if you raced as any other of the grand prix races that you can just buy from the store in their motorsport gear which i've been racing in for a long time anyway but i suppose if you like torna and you like her stats Mm. then that's what you're going towards but i was hoping for maybe something a little bit silver award i like though i'm going i've I've not actually played for a while crash team racing but i'm going for silver i'm I'm nearly there now uh, which is um crash in his biker uniform oh yes yeah no that's uniform uniform Um, yeah uh yeah his his biker outfit that's cool i like that they've added that in because it kind of works probably the most context relevant costume out of anyone in the entire game to be honest yeah given that he does race in that in a different game does do a race yeah apart from that i played a little bit of fallout 76 hopped into that for the first time in a few months Mm -hmm. and uh just messed around with a friend was doing some streaming at home and uh that game has like just not improved at oh, all. Like no. I can't speak for the new features they've added, but stability-wise, it's exactly the same. Like we, we've talked about these problems before. I really like Fallout 76. I had a lot of fun with it, and I played it way longer than the vast majority of people listening to this probably. Yeah. Uh, so I'd I'd like to think that I know somewhat what I'm talking about. Right. And I can tell you absolutely 100% that it does. It just simply does not matter what they add to that game Mm -hmm. feature-wise. It's fundamentally broken. It just doesn't work at a base level. And there's no amount of polishing that that can make that sort of you know make people want to play that. I saw recently that uh what's his name? The guy from Hello Games. Sean 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 Peter will now Google him. He's called Sean. Sean Durder. Sean Durder from Hello Games, who made No Man's Sky. And he was recently offering advice to Bethesda about, you know, 
launching and and EA with Anthem about launching a game that wasn't received well. The problem is, uh, No Man's Sky ran really well. It was just short. Murray, thank That's you. That's the one. It was, it, it was short on features, whereas Fallout 76 does not run well and I think had plenty of features anyway. But what they're doing is they're polishing a turd. Yeah. And you can polish that turd as much as you want, but it doesn't mean that people are going to want to take the turd. Yeah, you just end up with a weird sort of polishy turd. Yeah, but with is... like extra bits like put on the side of it. And it's still a of, poo. If you've sort of polished it too hard, it just sort of squishes under the polish Yeah, you don't rag, want that. And then you just get shit. I mean, you just get Sorry? turd all over the You just get turd rag. all over the Polish rag, yeah. which is the Polish rag, which is not what you want. So yeah, that's Fallout 76. Apart from that, uh, at, at the time of recording today, we're starting our live stream, our new co-op live stream series of Outlast, mm-hmm. uh, which is something we've talked ourselves into playing. Yeah. Neither of us are particularly excited to get spooked, uh, but if you want to see that, the VOD will be up in the next couple of days. Isn't there an actual ding-dong in Outlast? There is a real wing wingle in that. We're a winky. Yeah. So we're going to have to... No, we'll be fine. I, I'm pretty sure that gets taken off YouTube. I think that's like how are they common... meant to know though? Is someone watching every single frame of every video just Al- in case I it guess has a the winkle? Algorithm knows. It's well, a we just won't look, though, isn't it? We just won't look. We'll okay. cover up our eyes. If everyone agrees to cover up their eyes, then yeah. we'll be fine. I'm not saying the stream will get pulled by no, some sort. No, no, no. But I mean the vod might. We the might winky have to, police uh, de-wink the uh, the vod. Well, if you want to see some some winkles, then make sure you tune in. Tune in live if you uh, want to see the uncensored knob knobs. We had to get rid of the knob knobs on uh, a way out, didn't we? Because that had a little bit of side side side, side peen yeah. for for people. Mm. Uh, we had a peen pull. We had to we had to censor that because the internet's no fun. Anyway, talking of knobs, we've yep. got a question here from David Lever. Yes. Sorry, that's not very nice. Sorry, is David Remainer? I don't know you, is. David Lever. I'm sure you're a lovely lovely man. Yeah, that's uh, really rude actually. Yeah, it is really rude. Thank you David very much for your support. You are not a knob. It was just I was just trying to do a link. Yeah. Um but good. it was a really good one. You, look at look how fluent it is. Yeah. Uh, what's the worst time you've ever had a console freeze or turn off on you? I think mine was beating the Elite Four for the first time in Pokemon Pearl, and then my DS ran out of power pre-saving. Oh dear, oh dear, Ben, David, that's not great. I've got two examples that that spring to mind. Mm-hmm. Literally spring in the case of the PS One yeah. when you uh you can. Those buttons they're kind of spring loaded, aren't they? Any anything can anything can press those. Human, cat, 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 definitely cat. Yeah. Uh, so I was playing Final Fantasy VII. Mm-hmm. My cat just stepped on the power button, oh. and uh, I know that's not sort of a freeze, but it definitely counts as a turn off. It does. Uh, so my cat turned off my my PS One. Big old chunky buttons on that. Yeah. Very easy for I think perfectly poor sized for they a are cat. Really quite a large range in which the the cat could step onto it i think and ruin my day Uh, the second one was i was playing the simpsons hit and run Mm -hmm. on the simpsons hit and run sorry hit and run hit and run hit and run run. on ps2 on Mm -hmm. the playstation 2 yeah and those buttons are less chunky they're less chunky very sensitive a cat could if a cat was able to kick yeah you know without rolling on its back and doing that sort of rabbit thing Mm. Then sort of thumper feet. Then, yeah. then that, then I'd be in trouble. Maybe a small sized man. Maybe a Peter. Me- yeah. Maybe a Peter could trip and fall and reset it. But that wasn't the issue here. The console froze, and I was doing the sort of internal, ridiculous, almost superstitious checklist of well, blow into the port, and and it makes no difference. What well, while it was make frozen. sure you blow into the port. So here's what I ended up doing. Here's, here was my logic. I ejected the disc so it was open. Mm-hmm. And I thought maybe if I just put it back in again, it'll start spinning and pick up. Because I think load I think that's wants. yeah, I think that's happened before. Maybe I don't know. I don't know what the logic was, I but I thought works, but... I don't think it didn't. No. So I thought I'd give it a go. Ejected it, and I was like, hmm, maybe if I unplug, maybe it's a problem with the TV. Of course, it wouldn't be. Maybe if I just unplug the AV thing from the back of the PS2, the PlayStation 2, mm. and then plug it back in, maybe then it'll show up on the television. Right, Simpsons um, Hit and Run. Simpsons Hit and Run on the television, on the PlayStation 2. And what I did was, I it, the, the tray was still ejected. I leaned over to unplug it, leant on the tray without meaning to, and oh. it went... Oh. And it just snapped. It oh, didn't snap no. off, but the mechanism in there broke, so it wouldn't go back in. And I was distraught. I bet. And... Uh, Mr. Sony had to bring me a refurbished one because oh. I broke it because the Simpsons froze and I thought, I'll try this imaginary checklist of fixes. Oh, no. And 
that was really good. Oh, that was a real bad one. You didn't just lose lose your progress. No, you broke your PlayStation. I broke my PlayStation too. For me, I was trying to think. I know like plenty of times when this has happened, just when I've been playing, and it's like, oh, oh that's annoying. I was, you know, I was doing whatever, or I was enjoying myself. Yeah. But I was trying to think of of any sort of catastrophic moments, and the one thing that I can think of was actually fairly recently, um, before uh, Spyro Reignited came out. Um, I got wind that they were uh, including the skill points from mm. the second and third games and also adding a bunch for the first game. Right. And I remember I, I sort of asked myself, have I ever actually done all of those on the original games? And I assumed that I had, but didn't know for sure whether I actually had done. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to do that. In the lead up to the game coming out, I'm going to play Spyro 2 and 3 mm-hmm. and do all the skill points. Yeah. Spyro 2, one of the hardest skill points, I think is you have to defeat Ripto without taking any hits. Now, his fireball thing is like kind of easy to dodge if you know what you're doing. Um, the robot gulp is uh, is a lot harder, though, I find. Um, is that something from Cyberpunk 2077? Yeah, robot gulp. You pay extra for that. Robot gulp. <laughs> Shut up. And uh, I also find it pretty tricky in the final phase when he has homing fireballs that are green and therefore mm. not fire at all, I suppose. Right. Um, anyway, it took me ages and ages. I kept dying and dying and dying and dying. And then I remember getting to the, the final phase. Mm. I was doing really well. I'd not been hit. I'd hit him plenty. I only had to hit him a few more times. And the PS2, which I've had for a very long time, just sort of went no and uh it turned on again perfectly well but i didn't get that skill point oh no i did eventually but not in that moment and And just not that day no you went for an angry walk probably yes (laughs) um so that was you know i you know a moment full of despair oh dear yeah that's especially frustrating when you're so close to completing something. Yeah. Like, luckily, I, I can't even remember the context of where I was in the games. It was just frustrating to right. have it happen. But actually losing out on something you're you're going for, mm-hmm. that's hard. It's a difficult thing to uh, to deal with. It is. I suppose you could say it's a weird way to lose progress. What was that? Uh, did somebody say something? Did someone say progress? Did somebody say way? 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 Did say lose? Way? What? Lose? What? Weird? It's time for... It's- Weird news time. That's the weird news noise. Weird news. Weird news. And it's time to play the jingle, except in the podcast version where just it's just it against my it microphone. Just, it just goes straight to the to us coming back. Yeah. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Weird news. It's time for weird news. Are you ready, Peter? Yes. I've got a weird news I for am. you. Um, your news. This comes by way of Polygon, by which I mean Polygon. And uh, this headline reads, Chinese Final Fantasy XIV players are turning eating fried chicken into a new quest. Ooh, crunchy chickens. Crunchy chicks. Eat a lot of bird to get a bird is what it says. It should have said crunchy chicks. 
Right. You want some context? Yeah, definitely. So the, Here we go. They're, they're turning it into a quest, did you say? Yes, Chinese Final Fantasy fourteen players are turning eating, eating fried chicken into a new quest. Okay. So, Square Enix has been passing along promotions to unlock a black fat chocobo mount in Final Fantasy XIV. Objectively, sounds great. That's what it looks like. Of course you want one of those. Oh my god. Um, why wouldn't you? It's a perfect little ball mm. that you can ride. In the United States, you simply had to buy a qualifying item from Amazon. In China, however, you get a code for the fat bird only once you've ordered a family-sized meal at KFC. Weird. It is. Isn't that weird? According to this this Reddit thread, it says, that rounds up the chaos caused by the bird, fans have to pay approximately $13.73 for a family meal and dine in with it. The meal consists of, and try not to get hungry now, folks, because this sounds pretty good, but also highlights just how big this family meal is that people are having to buy. In the country where, until recently, you were only allowed to have one child. Right, exactly. Okay. There's no such thing as a family, really. The meal... <laughs> the meal. Yeah, that's right, China. I'm calling you out. Yeah, I'm that's not, like everyone, not really. everyone in the world. If you're a one-child family... If you're a one-child family, family... You're no family. Do better. KFC thinks you can... I mean, KFC definitely thinks you should be a bigger family. That's for sure. Right. Are you ready to hear? Sure. The meal consists of one double chicken burger, one vegan mushroom burger, Mm. one five-piece order of chicken nuggets, two original recipe pieces of chicken, one two-piece order of New Orleans chicken wings, Mm. one old Beijing spicy duck roll, two large Pepsis, Mm -hmm. and two peach oolong teas. Specifically Pepsi, not any fizzy drink. uh, Well, yeah, maybe it's just Pepsi. I was going to say, KFC is one of the places that has Pepsi instead of Coke. No, yeah, but you can't get, like, Tango instead. No. Oh. Oh, I don't know. It just says Pepsi. Right. The set is obviously for a family, but you only get one code for eating at all, which means each player needs to put away a lot of food to get that code. After all, why go with your friends on different days and take turns redeeming the code when you can do it in a more challenging way like this? Hilariously enough, Chinese Final Fantasy XIV players have been cooking up memes and guides on how to take down the food using in-game terminology. So here we go. I'm going to read you this now. So this is this is rough trans uh, rough translations, and you may not get all of the all of the terms because they're in game terms. But there's a lot of right. just general video game. So this terms is a rough translation Chinese to English of people using Final Fantasy in game terms about eating large amounts of KFC to unlock a black fat bird yeah, okay. for Final Fantasy fourteen. KFC Extreme. I am full. Need DPS. Next one. I cheated. I said I will solo, but was wiped out after eating a roll, a chicken, and two wings. I am done. What about you? Never again. The lady next to me looks as me uh, looks at me as if I am a pig. <laughs> Our team was wiped. Failed to pull the roll and burger apart during P two. MT pulled two burgers. Just leave the coke alone. Focus on the chicken. <laughs> Anyone at Kung Ming wants to team up for a KFC raid? Already found three. I was wiped at five percent solo. You must distribute the damage from the Pepsi. Don't let it stack. But. Hang on, you don't have to eat all this if you don't want to. No, you don't. Just say in your head that like, okay, I'm paying like $13, but I'm paying for the for the extra chocobo. Just treat it like DLC with, with extra free food. One translated post in the Reddit thread includes a walkthrough on what to eat in what order, noting that players should use hallow ground to solo the mushroom burger, <laughs> which is also referred to as the Morbol burger by its challengers. Morbols are hideous beasts in Final Fantasy XIV, known for their bad breath attack, oh, no. a cone-shaped area of effect that plants just about every debuff in the game on the player. <laughs> Update, the Reddit thread linked in this article is updated to note that players do not have to finish the whole meal in order to receive the code, but players are still trying to individually eat the meal to obtain the code. And there's a meme there of, I assume, a, oh, a, a Chinese person desperately trying to eat all the KFC with every debuff icon in the game. All the drinks. The drinks alone. <laughs> there there are four Pepsis drinks. and two teas. Yeah. For one man. What was that again? I was wiped at 5% solo. You must distribute the damage from the Pepsi. Don't let it stack. It sounds like some sort of World War II coded message. It's mad, isn't it? You must distribute the Pepsi. (laughs) Yes. Right. Okay. Anyone up for a KFC raid got three so far. Yeah. I just thought that was a fun, weird story. It is. I've... Yeah. Got one too. Go on then. Um, Weird me harder. Weird me right into tomorrow. Absolutely. I will. Go on Um, 
Nintendo deletes level from top Mario Maker 2 player for mysterious reasons. Oh. Okay, not, not super weird to begin with, just mysterious, mysterious. I suppose. Mysterious. The clue is in the name. Yeah. This is from Coke. Sorry. This is from Cuckoo Kachoo. You must distribute the Kotakus evenly. Yes, do not let them stack. No. Any Super Mario Maker 2 player will tell you that Twitch streamer Grand Pooh Bear is one of the game's biggest ambassadors. Right. Not only is he dedicated to playing, making, and highlighting the best Mario levels out there, Grand Pooh Bear also does a ton to introduce new players to the game. But Nintendo seems determined to hound him. Oh. Yeah. Back in 2016, the House of Mario, is apparently what they're calling it. Cool, that's a bit weird. Deleted every single level that Grand Pooh Bear made for the what? first Super Mario Maker, despite acknowledging that he had not cheated or otherwise broken any visible rules. Based on conversations with Nintendo reps, Grand Pooh Bear believed that his courses were being taken down for, inclu for including the word poo. Oh no, because of his name. Which would be easy enough to fix, except Nintendo refused to let him change level names. It was a mess, and now Nintendo seems to be repeating the mistake. Oh, In early July, Grand Pooh Bear uploaded a challenging yet approachable zero-g uh, zero course. <laughs> I meant to say zero-g, but I sometimes pronounce it zero-g. It's yeah. just something that I do. It's fine. Zero-g course, mm -hmm. which you can view below. It is a completely normal Mario Maker 2 level. There are no glitches, exploits, or obscenities in the level. Today, mm. the course is gone. It was one of the most played super expert levels in the game. Oh, God. Um... But the, the reason cited, according to Nintendo, is harmful or inappropriate content. Now, remember, Nintendo are not going to censor games. No. That's the important thing to remember here. Uh, which does not track with the actual material in the upload. Grand Pooh Bear has no way to contest this decision. So, how, sorry, how's he spelling poo? Because Pooh Bear, obviously, Winnie the Pooh. Without that's an P H. Oh, without an H. Yeah, okay. Grand Pooh Bear. Right. Uh, okay. So he posted a screenshot of the email that he was sent, which is in stern, we do not want your comments, Peter Austin kind of oh, language, no. which you don't want to receive. Okay. You, you'd rather receive just something that said, we, we're we sorry to announce, we're going announce, we're gonna to have to take down your level. Yeah. It actually says, violation, inappropriate and or harmful <sighs> content. This is Nintendo's final decision. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Nintendo chill. Daddy chill. Yeah. What the hell is even that? I, Nintendo. I, I don't know what the hell even that is. Uh, but the, the article goes on. I'm just reloading it because I had to go to a different page for the okay. screenshot. Uh, this time, Grand Pooh Bear doesn't think the takedown is happening due to his name. Or at least he claims that, that Nintendo reps have repeatedly assured him the word isn't a problem. He speculates that he's not in good standing with the Japanese company as his wider channel sometimes features playthroughs of ROM hacks and randomizers. Although that wouldn't explain why this specific level got taken down. That seems... It all seems a little childish yeah. that Nintendo would take such... If if that is true, that they would take such an issue with him playing presumably old games if they're ROMs. Yeah. You know, with, with mods and stuff. So it's the, just furthering the love of Nintendo and classic Nintendo stuff. The point just, is, he's a big fan of Mario games in general, like the old right. ones. And he plays ROMs of them. And I, I'm assuming a randomizer is, um, you know, uh, Mario by its nature... That, and which is why Mario Maker works as a game is is very much um, made of component parts. Like mm -hmm. it's you know it's um, uh, there's a word for it. Uh, uh, Mod module. Yeah, like modular. Mod yeah, modular. Yeah, that's the word. Um, and I think a randomizer. I'm guessing takes just random pieces of Mario mm. like sprites and puts them all together. So he basically plays stuff that technically is probably not entirely legal but it's also completely not a problem whatsoever. You know, it's right. like just emulating a game that you already own or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but apparently he thinks Nintendo take umbrage with the ROM hacks that he plays. Um, and it's also worth noting that Mario Maker 2 owes much of its popularity to those ROM hacks. So <sighs> Yeah, I was going to say, like, that, that seems like 
rom hacks sort of seem like the, the the grandfather of the whole idea of yeah. Mario Maker, and especially if this guy's such a prolific part of the community as well, to treat him so poorly mm-hmm. does not reflect well on Nintendo at all. Yeah, so they they apparently have not uh, Polygon reached out and they've not had a response from Nintendo thus far. Good. Um, but down at the bottom of the article, it just say correction, July seventeenth. A previous version of this article claimed that the level in question did not have the word poo in it, when in fact it does. Wow. Great. Wonderful stuff. That was weird. Yeah. Poor Pooh Bear. Yeah. Here he comes down the stairs. Hmm. Silly old bear. Thud, thud, thud. Thump, 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 whatever it is. Stink, stink, Yes. Let's move on to another question. This is from Christian Sturt, Mm. who asks, You want questions? I've got them. In your professional opinion... We're professionals, would you say? Uh, our opinions are professional. Oh, wow. Well, but we, we are not. We, okay. What tends to be the most important factor behind a game you can't put down? Is it gameplay, graphics, replayability, music, etc.? Note, no chickening out with, they all play an important part. What is the most important for you? Answers on a postcard, please. P.S. Welcome home, Ben. Thank you, Christian. It's good, good to be question, back. Christian. Good to be back. Ba-da-ba-da-da. Do you have a Do you have a specific thing that you like? I guess in terms of not being able to put a game down, at the end of the day, it probably has to be... Oh, actually, no. I was just about to say with all surety that it's story. Mm. But actually, some games you can't put down, they've got no story whatsoever. They're just sort of addictive little mini games and stuff. So, But what about you personally? Rather than talking generally about what well, I mean, makes what a I mean. good game, so I, for you sometimes it I is mean, just game. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I don't want to. I don't want to chicken out and hedge <coughs> my. Bless you. I'm allergic, allergic to your to, opinion. To chickens. No, never. I don't want to sort of hedge my bets and say, oh well, sometimes it's this and that. You know, Christian makes a good point. It would be mm. very easy to go. Well, everything's important. Well, yeah, it's just a. But if, if I could at least, you know, have my fingers in maybe two pies, as it were. Okay. I would say that mostly it's a game with a compelling story. So I remember particularly when I first got my PS4, Mm. um, playing through Uncharted 1 to 4, you know, almost back to back. I would play hours of that whenever I got home from Mm. work. And that was story almost entirely. You know, the games play very well, but the sort of cinematic aspect, um, the way they present the story and, and, you know, the characters and, uh, you know, the the hijinks that they get up to. Yeah. but definitely there's an element of like sometimes you don't want to put a game down just because it plays super well. I mean, Crash Team Racing is an example. It's not for me a game that I can't put down necessarily. So that's not a good personal example. But for those who can't put it down, of which there are many, mm. according to social media, right. you know, that's got no story whatsoever or almost, you know, it's got an opening cutscene. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think overall it's a game with a, with a good story, but there are certainly some some games that just feel satisfying and you just want to keep doing that over and over again, whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. I I think I pretty much agree. Like Mm -hmm. gameplay is is incredibly important, but for me, it's it's always story. I've got to care about what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. It's very rare that a game comes along like Crash Team Racing where story takes a back seat and it's just, this is really fun. I enjoy the challenge. I enjoy this. I'm having fun playing this. Mm -hmm. Throwing out an example, Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, Really, really enjoyed that game, but I found myself ignoring all the side quests and all sort of the optional engagements and combat. And that game played fantastically, Mm -hmm. but I would just run between story missions because I wanted to know what happened next. And equally, I've played fairly limited sort of indie games that don't have a huge amount of gameplay variety or it's not particularly interesting, but the story is, is so strong that it's unique to that game that, that I want to keep going. Games like, uh, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, Crossing Souls was one that came out at the beginning of last year that wasn't particularly fascinating from mm-hmm. a gameplay standpoint. But story-wise, I was interested to see where it went and I stuck with it. Yeah, uh, That is what keeps... A good story will keep me playing a bad game. Yeah. Um, but if it's great gameplay and a terrible story, then I'd... <laughs> It's difficult to stay motivated for me to play or even start playing it, really. I think that's what had me so hooked on and, and has still has me such a defender of uh, mm. Little Nightmares, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that game is, as you say, you know, some games don't play well, but they have a good story that, you know, keeps you keeps you involved. I think it played pretty well. But the story, if you can call it that, or sort of the mysterious, ambiguous lore and, mm. you know, wanting to know what happened next, I just couldn't put it down. You know, the only reason I stopped playing that game when I first got it was because, oh, look, it's bedtime. I better get, I've got work in the morning. Yeah. I better go to bed, you know? 
Um, if I must, mother. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think for me, it's sort of narrative and story, though yeah. there are some exceptions. Like, I used to play hours and hours and hours of uh, Halo 3 multiplayer. And, mm -hmm. you know, the multiplayer doesn't have a story. It just plays really well, I think. But uh, Yeah. Yeah. There's always going to be games like that, though. Yeah. But, yeah, story. You've got to have a reason to be there. Mm. You've got to have a reason to be there. It's time, Peter, for a ginormous, gigantic, the biggest we've ever seen. It's a big discussion. Oh. But let me stop you right there, Whoa, ben. hang on, what? It's big discussion with an S on the end. Big discussions. I know that we take our big discussions from our wonderful pa pa patrons. Patrons. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, there was something that I did just briefly want to bring with us. So it's a, sm it's a small big discussion. It's a smaller discussion. We don't have to linger on it too long, but I thought it was worth discussing. Go on, then. It's a significant topic. Go on, then. Uh, Kotaku headline here. Ubisoft invites fans to make music for Watch Dogs Legion, sparking exploitation debate. Hmm. So Ubisoft have done this before with Beyond Good and Evil 2 and Hit Record. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, is, JGL. Uh, yeah, JGL Ooh. is in charge of Hit Record. I've got some quotes here. I'll just quickly read it through for you and then get your opinion. Last week, actor Joseph Gordon-Levitt announced on Twitter that his uh, music production company, Hit Record, would once again partner with Ubisoft, this time to help the pub publisher create 10 songs for its upcoming open-world hacker game, Watch Dogs Legion. Hmm. Uh, Ubisoft first tried this model with the science fiction game Beyond Good Evil 2, which is still in development. Science fiction game? It has been criticized as a way to replace salaried or contracted work with, quote, spec work in which creatives volunteer their time and labor without knowing for sure whether they'll be paid or how much they'll be paid. Mm -hmm. Now, the way that Hit Record do it, or the way Ubisoft do it with Hit Record, is that Ubisoft put up a lump sum of cash saying, this is how much we're going to pay for all the assets we use from this, this project. Right. And it's then divvied up to people based on how much input they have had to the song or the art that is being submitted. Okay. So... Certainly in the Ubisoft model, it's not a question of whether they'll be paid, but it's just how much will I be paid. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, This sucks, tweeted Mike Bethel, de developer... Bithel. Bithel. Is that right? Yep. I did wonder. Uh, developer of Thomas Was Alone uh, under the no spec hashtag. People pay for their labor, uh, pay people for their labor, sorry. Stop exploiting fans and hobbyists while devaluing the work of those with the goal to actually expect consistent payment for work done. Do better, Ubi. We're counting on you. Uh, some creators on HitRecord don't necessarily see it that way, though. On this platform, we can improve and add our own ideas to some creations. It was, for me, a really casual experience, said Alexis Laborn, an artist living in France. Laban. Laban. I have no idea. Uh, who contributed to Beyond Good Evil 2. He was paid $993. For a game, for a piece of music that features in a video game. Yeah. That will make probably a lot of money. Yeah, probably. Um, I don't know if that's good or not. That's the thing. Well, see, so I have an opinion on this. Now, I I understand. I think the only uh, way in which people ought to be outraged by this mm. is that it does potentially devalue the work of professional you know, freelance composers and artists. People who right. do it for a living, it devalues their work because it can be, um, you can get the same kind of work for free or for cheap elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Now that's that's fine and I, you know, I see some argument in there. One thing I don't agree with is actually what most people said, uh, certainly when Beyond Good Evil 2 announced they were doing it, which is that, oh, you're, you're getting people to work for free. Uh, or to work for not very much money, and that's really exploitative. Now, right. I don't agree with that whatsoever, because they're very transparent about the model. Yeah. And they say, hey, you might not get paid very much for it, just so you know, this is how it works. We'll be divvying up some cash, uh, but it's just an opportunity, in my opinion, for people to get work that they have done into a game that they love. You know, mostly it's fans of certain franchises that contribute to things like this. Mm -hmm. That's my opinion. But okay. I wanted to know what you think of it. Well, I, I see both sides of this argument. Mm -hmm. um, I really do. I think in the case of Beyond Good and Evil, I think it's a fantastic idea because that is a cult game. Right. And the people who love that game really love it. Mm -hmm. And they'll want to contribute and get something they they want to contribute to to the next entry in you know one of their favorite series just yeah. like Shenmue 3 was largely kickstarted and people paid to get 
sort of their name in the game somewhere in like a guest book in a in a lodge and stuff like people want mm-hmm. to do that stuff when it comes to Watch Dogs that is a huge franchise yeah. that people may be a fan of but they're not a fan in the same way that people are fans of Beyond Good and Evil that's true and Ubisoft is not a company that is hurting for money at all I've always taken issue when big companies double fine before they were acquired mm-hmm. kickstarted projects when they did not need to do that they could have gone and found a publisher if they wanted to but they decided to basically make it not not for free but they decided to make it with no in or, or very little investment from yeah. from actual sources that they had to pay back right you know there was very very relatively uh, a relatively small risk for them there financially because they were getting the money for free basically mm-hmm. i don't think companies that 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 need this stuff uh, should be denied it, but I do think that companies that don't need it should maybe think about their tact a little more because this just seems like a transparent way for Ubisoft to save money. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that it's it's good in this case, but I do think it's good in the case of smaller games. Like, for example, if THQ Nordic suddenly said, yes, we're, we're going to cancel that stupid SpongeBob game and we are working on the new Time Splitters. Mm. Who wants to do a piece of music for it? Yeah. A lot of people would be very excited. But if Call of Duty said, we want a piece of music for... for for sorry did i say call of duty yeah yeah if activision wanted a piece of music for call of duty that would be weird because it's like you don't need that why are you doing that yeah it just seems like a headache for you it's strange i don't get it yeah i guess it comes down partly to motive like you say like if 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 they are just thinking oh we could probably get some some free music or you know cheap music for uh for watchdogs yeah might as well cash in on these fans exactly then yeah that's that's not good they shouldn't be doing that but yeah in my in my opinion certainly with beyond good and evil 2 i know i'm probably a bit biased but uh i think that like you say that's a kind of a cult game and not only do people want to contribute to that for you know and, and maybe only get a little bit of money for it i think if Ubisoft had come out from the beginning and said, hey, we want assets for our game, this mm-hmm. this new entry in the series. We can't pay for it whatsoever. I think people still would have done it. You know, yeah. the point, people aren't doing it to be paid. So I think the argument that like, oh, it's exploitative because these people aren't being paid enough. I don't think that that stacks up because, uh, yeah. you know, they, they've always been transparent about the model. But uh, yeah, as you say, it's just whether they need to do it or not. And yeah. In the case of Watch Dogs, you might be right. I think they probably don't need to. Well, there we go. That's the first discussion. Yeah. It's probably going to limit the size of this discussion, which isn't a massive discussion anyway. It is big, mm-hmm. but it's not huge. Yes. This comes by way of Jonathan Reyes, or Rise. Reyes. Probably Reyes. Race. Jonathan Race. He's really good at racing. He is. He's fast. What are your thoughts on the decrease of movie-based video games, be it to coincide with the release of a movie or released years afterwards as a spiritual sequel? Mm. Personally, I miss these sorts of games because when movie studios can't be bothered to make a proper sequel, a time video game can offer a more expansive view of an already established universe. That's true. Quality of game notwithstanding, I think there is potential there given how gaming becomes more and more cinematic every year. So what happened to the what happened to the movie tie-ins, Peter? They were mostly plops. I they know were real plops. There was literally a sentence at the end there of the question: quality of game notwithstanding, I think there's potential. I mean, yeah, if if they could make good movie games, which occasionally they did, but mm-hmm. mostly not, then uh, I, you know, they should be back. But unfortunately, they're mostly just kind of kind of rubbish yeah i I think the cream will always rise to the top as mm -hmm. they say um in that when a good one comes along it will have to be heavily vetted first so alien isolation for example Mm. was the first alien game for a little while and it was by all accounts very good i haven't played it because i'm a coward but you know these games these games do occasionally happen and when they do they're actually they're actually pretty all right you know they're pretty good um the reason you're not getting a game in the traditional movie tie-in sense for every Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar film that comes along is because they were really bad. Yeah. They were really bad. And you see a lot of games, uh, a lot of movie stories still existing in the video game sphere as Lego games Mm -hmm. now uh, because that's a safe bet. Yeah. Um, And a lot of them have moved to mobile games because they're just more lucrative. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a Pirates of the Caribbean game and a Frozen game a a couple of years ago, excuse me, 
And I know Stranger Things isn't a film, yeah. but it did have a mobile game. And the new season three actually has a proper game that's on PS4 and PC and so on. Right. Uh, so there, there are still tie-ins. They're just not as frequent. And they're going to... A lot of them are free to play on mobile and have microtransactions and things like that just because it's cheaper and yeah. it's easier. And they just were not turning a profit in the end that's the thing i think the, the 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 movie games as we once knew them particularly i think in the ps2 era there were just so many on the ps2 and mm-hmm. xbox and gamecube um yeah i think the reason they don't exist anymore is because um there probably is a bit more vetting nowadays in a sense i think i mean you know what do i know but it, i kind of you get the impression almost that back then games were just churned out because people would just buy them. Yep. I, I don't know why, and it didn't really matter how good they were. I think nowadays people are a little bit more, or maybe it's partly because of uh, you know more and more internet use and online reviews and things like that, that maybe people do sort of say, I played this, it was really bad, don't buy it, and it affects the sales of these games. Yeah. Um, the last, um, uh, I mean, I got my PS2 that I got, I didn't get a PS2 straight away. It was bundled with a copy of Shark Tale. Right. On PS2. Mm-hmm. Rubbish. Yeah. Absolutely rubbish. And they are, on the whole, rubbish. When I first started really getting into collecting trophies, mm-hmm. I played a lot of really, really horrible movie tie-in games. Kung Fu Panda. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatball. They're horrendous. They all follow the same pattern. They're bought by parents for kids. Yeah. And then these kids grow up and they don't want anything to do with them. And they know, and we know, and the generations keep growing up with games know that these are horrible. Yeah. And, uh... Kids now just want to play on iPhones and tablets and, you know, the instant gratification. They don't want to sit there necessarily with a controller in hand. And if they do, they want to play Fortnite. And you're right that, like, you know, when when movie tie-in games are made nowadays, they tend to be really good. And again, like, mm. like you say, I think it's because of that sort of vetting process. I mean, one thing we've not mentioned is, again, it's not... Most of them weren't actually movie-based, but the Telltale games, you know? Yeah. You had Jurassic Park, certainly. You did. Um, which, you know, was uh, sort of parallel to the movie rather than actually being an adaptation of it. Guardians but, of the Galaxy was sort of based on the film adaptation of the comics right. rather than the comics itself. Yeah. There was a Batman one, which, again, wasn't based on an actual movie, I, mm. I believe, but, you know... It's, it's, For a licensed game. Yeah. It's, it's you know... There have been good ones. Yeah. That, that you, you're just not seeing as many Mm -hmm. Uh, so they were usually really bad we've played a lot of them on worst games ever so far and and we'll play a lot more as you'll see but the last big wave was probably sort of 2008 2009 ish which was sort of like the phase one period of um marvel films right also 2010 2011 that kind of time so there was let's see captain america thor iron man one and iron man two all had games they were all published by sega mm-hmm. and they were all bad yeah all of them and i don't know how well they sold iron man for example won two awards okay the GameSpot award for worst game everyone played for the year it was released oh dear. and the GameSpot award for worst use of a great license <sighs> so these games were just so horrible that they just weren't being made and we have some extra information here from the new statesman peter oh we do it's uh Oh, he's, he's shuffling his notes. New Statesman, it sounds quite official. Oh, well, they I actually cut out a line from it because they, they used the word like in the middle of a sentence. Oh, okay. So Never I thought, mind. let's make him sound a little bit, it doesn't matter now. He's from but... the New Statesman. New Statesman, yeah. Hollywood fell back in love with games after the... E- Why is that in big square brackets? Because they didn't actually provide the context for that in the, in the paragraph. Oh, you know, I should have read this, really, shouldn't I? <laughs> Basically, there was the big E.T. games disaster in the late 80s, it must have been. Yeah, where they buried them. They single-handedly crashed the video game market by making so many of these horrible games that nobody wanted to buy them. And that's what this was referring to in an earlier part of the story. Mm-hmm. But I copied and pasted after that, so I provided some context there in square brackets. I see. I understand. That's what it's for. Hollywood fell back in love with games after the E.T. game disaster, James Turkhurst, a computer games lecturer at Southampton's Solent University. This is really difficult. <laughs> Go on. This resulted in quite a few reasonable game tie-ins like Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. Alien Isolation, yep. Wolverine Origins, yep. and Spider-Man 2. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course, they were good, weren't they? Yeah. The Spider-Man games. But it's always been difficult working to film industry timelines, end quote. It's an undeniable fact that many movie-based video games are bad. Yes. Uh, that's true. Yeah. I don't know if you want me to read that. Well, that whole paragraph. Do you yeah. Want, do you want the rest of that? Yeah, no, I think okay. it's important. 
Uh, yeah, I didn't know you just want the quote and then to talk about the quote. I'm really no. over- overdoing this. No, it's fine. You can do it. It's really good so far. It's an undeniable fact that many movie-based video games are bad. This was often because deadlines were kept incredibly tight in order for games to coincide with a film's release. When this schedule was combined with licensing costs and the fact that many, ga- many tie-in games are, at their heart, a cash grab, this meant low-quality games were released. In turn, this meant falling sales, meaning smaller budgets, meaning more bad games. Bit of a vicious circle. Yeah, or exactly. Cycle. cycle, if mm. you like. Whatever kind of sphere you prefer. Yeah. Some sort of Ellipse. orange. It's a vicious orange. A very vicious tangerine. Um, <laughs> but that's that's basically what we've been trying to say there, as the New Statesman has summed up. The worse they got, the smaller the budgets were, the tighter the, tighter the deadlines the harder it got to make them. Yeah. And they just got worse and worse and worse to the point where people weren't buying them and companies just stopped giving their license to people mm. uh, or started giving their license en masse to crappy mobile developers yeah. who just make free-to-play games with microtransactions to make as much money as possible. Or to THQ Nordic, who, you know, they can just do nothing with it, I guess, They'll for just the next buy it 15 years. And sit on it forever. Yeah. I was going to say, I thought THQ used to... THQ was sort of like a mid-tier publisher, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. it? It was never EA, it was never Activision, but it was it was slightly below that. And I feel like they, they made a lot of these kinds of games. Yeah. And when we lost the middle tier the biggest middle tier publisher we lost a lot of games that were on that sort of level and now thq nordic is back um they're not doing movie times but they are releasing a lot of games that that fit that description yeah you sort of mid-tier games double a if you like right you can put them in your game boy yeah uh, you need two of them. You need two of them. Yeah. And they're not very good. They don't last very long. Mm-hmm. They cost a lot to make. And you have to go to 8chan to buy them. Yeah. Uh, it's all a bit of a disaster. But hopefully that's a, a bit of insight for you there. Um, uh, people listening and watching at home, I'm not addressing it directly to the question asker because I, I think they had their mind pretty much made up about that. But they just wanted us to discuss it. Didn't need it. any insight. Didn't need any insight. Jonathan. Jonathan. Um, rise. Jonathan Race. But... That is what has happened to movie tie-ins mm. for video games. We yeah. might see some more, and hopefully they'll be good, but I don't want a load of shovelware, which is essentially what it was. You want to see 50 copies of Iron Man 1 on PS3? Go to CEX. That's where they are. Yeah. They're all there. Upstairs, normally. Yeah. If it has two floors, they hide all the PS2 stuff. On all a the tie-in floor. stuff is upstairs, yeah. never to be seen again. Well, let us know what you think of this in the comments section below. Yeah. And uh, and as always, you can tweet us and follow us and all that kind of stuff if you want more information. Peter, where can they do that? Uh, you can find us everywhere on social media at Team Triple Jump. That's YouTube and Twitch, mm-hmm. tri- forward slash Team Triple Jump. Yeah. Twitter and Facebook.com forward slash Team Triple Jump. Mm-hmm. We're on Patreon where you can submit questions and things for this very podcast yes. at Patreon.com forward slash Team Triple Jump. Mm. The podcast, if you're watching the video version, is available in audio form <gasps> at play.acast.com forward slash s forward slash triple jump. No yeah. team there. No. There's no team in Acast. No, there's no team in a, a cast. The website is triple j.mup. That's ju.mp. And we've got a store there and all sorts of things where you can buy mooges and barbrapises. Bar- Barbrapis shirts. And uh, also we've got a Discord, uh, which has a Patreon patron exclusive room that can be accessed at bit.ly forward slash team Team triple jump fantastic if you'd like to follow us on twitter you can do at that peter austin and at confused underscore dude instagram at that peter austin at ben potter 20 we do lists every tuesday and thursday streams every monday tuesday and thursday monday and tuesday being on twitch thursdays being on your tube Mm. worst games is fortnightly but friday for patrons and sunday for everybody else there's no worst games this week but there will be one next week there will uh, the podcast is every Saturday, and we have a brand new show going out. Went out last night. Oh. It went out last night. We can talk about it. Rules Boss is back. Did you like it? I hope you liked it. Um, it'll be back again soon. We'll be introducing another show next week, I think. And yeah. then next month, there'll be two more new shows. And then the month after that, all four of them will be cycling every week. So you'll be able to get a show on top of everything else that we do. And uh, we hope you look forward to that. But let us know what you think. Insane. Tweet us, get in contact, all that kind of stuff. Peter. Yeah. Oh, oh, the sponsor again, please. The sponsor this week is Crunchy Chicks. Crunch, crunch. That's a chick in my gob. Mmm. Yum, yum. Crunch. It's a chick. 
Tasty. Oh, my karma. Oh, no, my karma. Oh, crunchy. I'm evil. It's a chick. Delicious. Don't let it stack. Run that DPS on the chick. Do it. Do not underestimate the Pepsi. No. Ever. Distribute. Distribute Pepsi. Distribute. Thank you very much to Crunchy Chicks for sponsoring us. We'll be back in a week's time. Take care of yourself. Until then, we'll speak to you soon. But bye, bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.